Travellers and welcome to podcast 26 in the series You Should Have Been There with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And um, although camping, which is today's subject, is something that well over 100,000 people wouldn't have been doing at uh, Glastonbury this weekend, it is something that we can look forward to possibly over the course of the summer. And first of all, Simon, I want to give you a hint um, as to what I've been up to this week. Well, that sounds curious. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Um, mind you, I've been on an adventure this week to the one place in the United Kingdom where you can actually spend time away from your home. And that's because on Friday the 26th of June, Northern Ireland reopened its campsites and caravan parks so that you can actually go and enjoy yourselves. Um, I went along to the Ballywiskin campsite on the beautiful shore of the Ards Peninsula looking across to Scotland where this sort of thing is certainly not possible yet and I met Hilda Butler the Dutch-born proprietor and before that happy travellers Sharon and Andrew Croft. I think it's good because people are fed up with being stuck indoors but then you've still got that bit of wariness you know for the you know the, the, the virus is still going to spread and stuff but I think people's fed up now being locked inside and just want to go out and just do their normal things yeah their normal day, daily things and yeah. are you happy with Northern Ireland being ahead of the rest of the UK oh definitely absolutely, yeah. absolutely fantastic yeah, yeah. we're every, glad we live here. We're glad we live here. Just shows you everything's going the right way. Yeah, I think they've and done really well because it's all you know the numbers have come down and stuff. <laughs> Same as everybody else, I think very quiet and the weather has been glorious. But yeah, just lonely here without the customers. And are you glad? It's nice to see them back again. Yeah, it's nice to see them back again. From a business point of view, it must be the worst you've suffered since you set up those yeah. years ago. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never, never, never seen anything like this before, yeah? Mm-hmm. But you just always manage through. I don't know other people, but, but you always manage through. And I think now it will be... Uh, people will come and they'll forget about everything and they'll just be happy. They'll just enjoy the two months that they have left, I think. Uh, yeah, so you just have to get through it. Well, Simon, how was the great outdoors for you? I must confess, Mick, I did not turn up with my tent and pitch it and use the communal block um, simply because um, I, uh, well, went overnight on the ferry from Liverpool to Belfast and then I flew back on Friday evening so I could actually be in my house, which really sums up, I think, a huge difference between the two of us. Any permanent dwelling for me is always going to be better than a tent. I wish I'd known that before we um, set off on those expeditions where um, putting up a tent and sharing it um, was indeed an essential part of the trip. But um, uh, yes, you're quite right. I, I have a great fondness for, um, uh, for camping. And indeed, this week, uh, I actually tried it out in my back garden. something I wasn't expecting to have to do. The uh, patch of uh, 
moth-eaten grass which uh, masquerades as a lawn where um, uh, I was uh, just about to put the tent up was covered in uh, what I think are pigeon feathers and I think there must have been a uh, an epic battle between a pigeon and uh, I presume a cat which I don't think the pigeon uh, has uh, come out of too well because uh, there are enough feathers here to uh, stuff a pretty decent pillow. Okay, now the tent. I don't recognize this one. Uh, I think it might have last seen service at Glastonbury with one of my uh, two sons. Well, it's, Certainly not going to be there this year, is it? Um, see, I just hope they didn't put it away wet. It's not too bad. Hmm. Not quite sure where where the poles go. I think they go on the outside of the inner tent. Oh, it's bringing all those French holidays flooding back. We arrived somewhere. It is scorching hot today, as it often is in uh, France and uh, when you're camping and trying to put a tent up when it's unbelievably hot um, and your brain isn't functioning properly is quite a challenge. Oh, okay, that's about half an hour from start to finish. Not, a, not I think, a, an Olympic uh, medal winning time but uh, I've only made one really bad error which has uh, put the entrance rather too close to a flower bed which might make it a bit difficult to get in on the whole I don't think it's too bad a job and uh, I've always had a bit of an inferiority complex about putting up tents because um, on French campsites even the most basic and rural ones everybody's tent looks as though it's been uh, put up with a spirit level and had all its creases ironed out so it looks about as good as it possibly could anyway this is the british way of doing things and um i think it'll probably be all right as long as it doesn't rain or as long as the wind doesn't blow too hard Now it's time for the bit which I really don't like doing, which is blowing up the mattress. Of course, I should have guessed that something would go wrong. And uh, what went wrong was that I couldn't find the uh, foot pump for blowing up the lilo. Um, uh, now, I have, however, contrived a sort of system for connecting the, uh, uh, it's a kind of stirrup pump, bicycle tyre pump, uh, to the uh, to the lilo using some plastic uh, gizmo that I found and uh, well so 
so far. Uh, touch uh, rubber. It's going uh, not too badly. And uh, mind you, I have been pumping away for about 15 minutes and uh, it is uh, quite hard work. Uh, a few swifts have uh, swooped down over the garden to uh, see what exactly the uh, bizarre human being is up to. But I think, I really do think that this probably is going to work. I suppose that's the soundtrack of a stressing evening. Dogs, sirens and parakeets. Uh, I hope they all go to bed early uh, and don't get up too early in the morning. So did they keep you awake? I really enjoyed that, mainly because I wasn't there. <laughs> well, I'm quite pleased you weren't there as well. But that racket you heard was really only the beginning of things. However, I will keep you on tenterhooks uh, until a bit later in the podcast. Well, I think one of your comments there, I think it will probably be all right. Uh, commendably positive, but um, rather foolhardy. And I love the sound effects of the, the foot pump. It made it sound as though the, the entire um, garden was breathing. Uh, but... Uh, with a millimetre of canvas separating you from the outside world, whether that's the um, uh, Pyrenees or whether it's the Himalaya or indeed Streatham, um, that's just never done it for me. I've always camped either because uh, I couldn't afford to do anything else or because there is no alternative. And I think that's very different from your attitude. Well, there are a couple of things that really seem to appeal to me. I don't really know why, but one of them is the Bear Grylls light, I suppose you could call it, uh, challenges which appear nearly all the time when you're camping. An example being finding that I didn't have the foot pump for blowing up the lilo and having to improvise something um, bizarre um, from a, a weird little plastic something for blowing up footballs which I found in the cellar um, obviously you can't take your cellar load of uh, rubbish with you when you go camping but it's just amazing what you can manage with bits of wire and wood and the like I mean I remember that uh, when I used to go uh, camping in France with my uh, partner Steph before we had children and before you needed to book things uh, we would uh, uh, often drive in a rather unroadworthy minivan which I had um, to France and find ourselves in campsites which really were undistinguishable in the main from the surrounding countryside and woods and things but were called campsites uh, and uh, making a barbecue out of bits of barbed wire and wire netting and you can actually poke uh, a french sausage through the gaps in wire netting and it holds them quite well over a, over what would now be considered an extremely dangerous and probably illegal wood fire that kind of thing i absolutely love and you're 
point about the thinness of the line between you and the outside world, which you find obviously not not very um, comfortable. I actually rather like. I like the fact that if you're lying at ground level, at three in the morning, the faintest sound is magnified and the snuffles of a hedgehog, which was something you did used to hear in uh, a farm campsite in France, it actually sounds as though it's a full-size wild boar, which I, I for some reason, um, I find kind of quite, quite exciting. Um, I remember going on a safari in um, Kenya, a, a cut price safari it was, uh, and um, actually listening to listening to far off lions um at night and and somehow enjoying it thinking that i was safe although i suppose on that occasion if they had decided to uh, um come and investigate our camp the uh, the the canvas wouldn't have been much of a barrier uh, it sounds very romantic and um uh, talking of romance of course in the olden days and i'm thinking here of the late 20th century Actually, if you were um, stepping out with with a, a partner, then about the only way you could get any solution, uh, seclusion for, um, shall we say, a bit of romance was to go camping. And that I um, it was a, a really a good, good way to um, uh, just just um, uh, how can I put it? Um, enjoy life in a in a um, to, to, to the fullest. Um but of course, you kept coming against obstacles. I remember in uh, with, with a girlfriend turning up in Ostend at a campsite, being told there is exactly no way you can stay here because you are not married. We are a Catholic uh, area, maybe a Catholic uh, uh, province, um, and therefore you are not allowed to stay in a tent. Um, in the same tent, at least. Um, so be on your way. There's a ferry at uh, two in the morning, and so there was. Um, has romance figured very highly with you with camping? Well, yes, it it has, um, both um, positively and negatively. Um, a, a good example of the latter was um, I was um, camping uh, and hitchhiking, actually, and with a tent. I don't know how I managed all of that stuff. And a French girlfriend. Um, and we got down nearly to the Pyrenees and decided to camp on what looked like a beautiful, um, quite high uh, meadow. I, it, it was just lovely. And the actual surroundings were fantastically romantic. I don't think there was anybody else on the campsite. Um, and it was a beautiful sunny day, uh, nearly, really nice and warm. Um, and then um, uh, we put the tent up and uh, got into it. I expect um, accompanied by a uh, cheap bottle of red wine, possibly one of those that was in a plastic container. Do you remember that? Which was actually um, cheaper than uh, water is uh, these days. And um, um, and then in, in the middle of the night, and I should tell you that this was in the days before tents had built-in ground sheets. So the only ground sheet we had actually was a piece of um, plastic sheeting which covered the ground at the sort of head end of the tent. Um, and uh, anyway, I was woken up in the middle of the night by um, screaming, a French screaming, and the sound of the word, which I'd never heard before, Degolas, Degolas, which I now realise means, oh God, how disgusting, how vile, how awful. And... Uh, a, Managed to 
find a torch and put it on. And there at the bottom of the tent um, in the area that would have been covered by a ground sheet had we had one was this writhing mass of huge uh, reddy brown slugs which had taken advantage of the lovely warmth and damp of the place and come in to join us. Almost doesn't bear thinking about slug invasion, invasion of the slugs. I don't know what that would be in French, but it would sound very, very uh, uh, dangerous. Yes. Well, it didn't really bode well for the future of the relationship, as uh, my girlfriend um, of the time left me for a French vet after that trip. (laughs) All sorts of jokes do sort of slightly present themselves like this is some kind of vetting process or I always thought you were an inveterate uh, traveller. Um, but look, you've always um, had a love for camping in France and you, you still do. And I believe uh, you even have a favourite ideal campsite. Ah, yes, I did tell you about that. In fact, I, I even wrote about it, although um, I, don't think, um, my, uh, I don't think my scribblings have ever seen the light of day. But uh, anyway, I will, um, I, I, will, I will treat you to uh, a paragraph or two uh, right now. Um, this lovely campsite, um, which Steph and I returned to on several occasions, it might even have been five consecutive years, was in the Coeurs, right in the uh, centre of France. And uh, it was right beside a very small lake called La Vaugelade, if I remember rightly. And uh, anyway, so we came upon this quite by chance, basically, because uh, every other campsite in the area was full. We arrived quite late in the afternoon had to slalom between the oak trees to find an emplacement, a place to put the tent, and immediately fell in love with the place. There was no reception area, no list of do's and don'ts, but there was a small block of impeccably clean toilets and showers, which dispensed unbelievably cold water. Before putting up our tent, we took advantage of the rapidly disappearing sunshine to swim in the much warmer water of the lake. Our new neighbours seemed to be mainly French and Dutch. We were the only Brits, which, for some perverse reason, never fails to raise my spirits. We had, on this occasion, forgotten the mallet, but within a couple of minutes our nearest neighbours appeared with a proper one and introduced themselves. They were Sylvie and Emile, who, with their son, came here every year for a full month of summer holidays. And then at about six in the evening, a young woman turned up on a mobilette, one of those very small and annoyingly noisy French scooter things. She was from the local commune of Saint-Marc-à-Loubeau and collected a ludicrously small amount of money as a camping fee. Even better, she asked us if for the next day we'd like to order a pâté aux pommes de terre, a potato pie, which is something of a local speciality. And that pâté aux pommes de terre, when it arrived the next evening, was absolutely delicious. It came wrapped in foil, still warm, and it was a large pastry pie containing layers of thinly sliced onion and potato, a good sprinkling of thyme and other herbs, plus creme fraiche. All four of us pronounced it excellent and a great improvement uh, on our usual one-pot camping meals of pasta plus tomato sauce or rice plus tomato sauce. 
For several years, we returned to that same air naturel. It was really comforting to turn up and find Emile and Sylvie and their bad-tempered rescue dog, Titi. And we became holiday friends. Emile was a fisherman and would take our older son, Alec, on day-long fishing expeditions around the lake, often coming back with loads of tiny perch, which Sylvie would painstakingly descale and debone before barbecuing them. They were wonderful. I asked Emile about his job, and uh, he was an agent de police in a, in a Parisian district, which he described as show, uh, which I think might be lively. Um, we often wondered how someone so softly spoken and, and so outwardly calm could possibly hold down such a job. And I was always expecting his incredibly charming veneer to crack, but it never did, at least uh, not beside the lake. Uh, the whole place had a fairy tale quality to it, a kind of Disneyland where children were safe, hangovers seemed to be unknown and even cold showers were bearable. Though we did learn some of the tricks of the trade from the experienced Dutch campers and we bought camping showers, which were just thick plastic bags fitted with a pipe and a shower head. You left them in the sun for a while, then hung them on a tree branch, turned on a little tap and bingo. I should also say that somehow linguistic differences didn't really seem to exist there. I mean, Emile didn't speak any English and uh, our son Alec didn't speak any French, but they really didn't seem to have any trouble um, communicating as they, uh, as they wandered round the lake um, catching perch. It sounds idyllic, and I must say, with your, your mention of, well, something approaching showers and uh, even a primitive version of Deliveroo with your potato pie, um, this is getting dangerously close to glamping, a concept which I have uh, exactly no time for. Um, either it's, uh, it's camping or it's something more permanent, more comfortable, um, just call it a chalet or an upmarket tent or whatever but uh, glamorous camping doesn't do it for me anyway nobody could accuse you Mick of glamping in Streatham in your back garden and um, please um, how did the rest of the night go well it's um, 11.30 and uh, here we are in the tent me and Steph who's uh, who has courageously decided to join me and uh I remember that all of those campsites in France we went to, after 10 o'clock, people were encouraged to uh, be quiet, but uh, it's uh, not at all quiet here. We've had a helicopter, I presume, belonging to the police, circling over um, approximately every 30 seconds. There have been motorbikes from the main road, sirens, and generally the most astonishing racket. Um, well, there's the helicopter. Why is it chosen tonight to do this? I thought we might possibly get a fox or um, a stag beetle or something like that um, keeping us awake. <laughs> this is something else. Have you actually had a, a noisier um, experience in a tent? Yeah, definitely at Glastonbury. Ah, yes, of course you've been at Glastonbury, yeah. And it was for Glastonbury that I'm in the tent in the garden now because I can't be there. 
Right, so this is quite good then for you. <laughs> I remember we once put a tent up in France outside a discotheque accidentally, and that was quite noisy. Well, let's see what happens. So did you get any sleep at all? A brief amount before being woken up by this. I know that uh, Stresham's a little bit, as they say, hot, and that sounds a bit like um, machine gun fire, but I presume it was rain, was it? It, it was, actually, and, um, and all of the um, uh, excitement before was, in fact, caused by the, um, I was going to say post-lockdown, but in fact, um, I think it was jumping the gun a bit, um, the... One of the spontaneous um, music events which um, uh, was being held on Streatham Common um, and which was being uh, dispersed by the police, um, who, of course, love, I think, any excuse to bring out the old helicopter. Although one of my concerns was that uh, it didn't sound as though it had been serviced for quite some time. <laughs> and we were slightly worried that uh, it might come and join us in the tent. Well, I must say, um, I take my hat off to you bringing camping to life for us, but uh, I'm so glad I wasn't there. I must say I was quite glad to get out of the tent and uh, sit in the kitchen making a cup of coffee. Um, But I wanted to ask you something, Simon, before we go, which was your experiences in Northern Ireland. Did they sort of give you an idea of what camping um, post-Covid is actually going to be like? much more popular because of course um if you're in a hotel you're constantly running into uh, other people um camping you can be as distant from other people as the emplacement allow or indeed if you are wild camping now legal of course in scotland um you can be just just miles from anyone and so i think there will be a real surge in it just as there has been um a, a boost for the number of people wanting villas and a sharp decline in the demand for all-inclusive holidays people want solitude and well a tent is a very good economical way of achieving it so it has a great future i might even be tempted back in a a tent sometime this summer although possibly somewhere a little more exotic even than your back garden Uh, but can i mention toilet blocks and shower blocks Oh, yes. And there's a great deal of this. And in fact, they even got a mention in some some prime ministerial address. They have to be kept clean, um, which uh, has always been a bit of (laughs) an issue for campers. But um, I'm sure it will work perfectly fine and there will be some bizarre one way system. And then after a couple of weeks, everybody will forget about it and get back to where they were. But um, I I, I think it will uh, re-energise the whole business of camping. Well, let's hope so. And um, yeah, and maybe and maybe even the idea of wild camping will make a comeback, which I would be uh, very much in favour of. But um, let's think about next week's podcast. Any thoughts? Um... I think we have to look at in the week that Europe reopens, in the week that uh, the current no holiday policy of the uh, government is relaxed. We have to look at um, uh, continental frontiers in Europe um, and air bridges, travel corridors and the like. There's an awful lot to be said about those. Certainly. And uh, will um, will plucky Portugal make it onto our list of uh, of 
of travel partners um, because it is, of course, Portugal, our oldest ally in Europe, if I remember rightly, um, from my history books. Um, so it would be a shame, really, to um, cut them off, wouldn't it? Well, they may well, uh, I think, retain most favoured nation status, despite what you might read in the popular press. So on that uh, note of anticipation, uh, it's goodbye for this week from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Porter. Goodbye. Goodbye.